You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of draft shows tonight. And tonight, we're going to talk about the running back group. Uh, an interesting one. Certainly a lot of different characteristics in this group. Here to talk to me about it is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Uh, glad to be here. Always great to uh, have you on, my friend. Uh, you live in a life out there in the 907. And we always mention that, that he's in Alaska. One of the reasons is it's a it's a time zone difference that we have to schedule around a little bit. So we're recording this at 2 a.m. in the morning on 417 for other things that might happen between now and draft day purposes. Yeah. So maybe we talk a little bit ahead of that about the Ravens' current situation at running back and some of the issues for them and whether or not a running back would make sense really for them in any round in this draft. Uh, the Ravens come into this year, of course, with – a couple of guys uh, who are not guaranteed to be, be on the team in 2024. Uh, a, a contract with some void elements to it with uh, for Gus and a contract that is in its fourth year with J.K., who is a second-year player. So uh, he won't have a uh, another year and will be on the free agent market potentially after 2023. Yeah, yeah. Um, the running back position that we've all seen this offseason, those guys aren't getting paid. So – that's why you see a guy like us, Edwards, take a pay cut instead of making five million. He's making, I'm not sure exactly what he's making now, but you know, they accepted that, re, accepted that restructure and said in this sense to stay with the team because he knew he wouldn't have sniffed that much money on the open market. So it, it made sense for him to come back. But um, like it's with running back is one of the like, kind of underrated needs for this team heading into the um, heading into this, this season. Whoever they draft is probably going to get a lot of, 
LeBron PT as a rookie, but in 2024 and beyond, I um, mean, it just makes sense to what's the draft running back every year, but like to keep that, keep that, that cycle going of, you know, like guys who were could come in and, and play key roles. So nobody does the whole workhorse back anymore. It's all, it's all, it's all running back by committee. I mean, even, even the teams like the Niners and the, and the, and the, and the Saints who have Kamara and, and McCaffrey, like having good number twos and number threes. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. There's only a couple teams. Joe Mixon does most of the running there uh, for for the Bengals, I guess. But there aren't many teams that that uh, put it all on one guy's shoulders, and there aren't that many backs, frankly, coming out who really look like they'd be the guys after what I guess is both of our top guy. So yeah. uh, you know, it's it's an interesting one. The Ravens have a similar problem on the defensive line with guys who are going to be graduating out of the system. I'm hopeful that the Ravens can sign one of Matabike or Washington to a a somewhat team-friendly deal to basically keep them around maybe another three years before the season starts. But they've also, you know, the team is now fairly well cursed with dead money in 2024 that is going to make it very difficult to do a lot of maneuvering with Lamar potentially needing another tagging in 2024. Yeah, I mean, this whole Lamar situation, I mean, we continue to talk about it ad nauseum, right? It's kind of like the black clouds hanging over this entire organization's head from a financial standpoint, from a morale standpoint, from a roster construction standpoint. I mean, you're really kind of playing and trying to build this team with one hand tied behind your back. Just trying to, you know, find find ways, creative ways. I mean, I never thought the Ravens were going to be a big void year team kind of, you know, kind of yeah. team. But after seeing what they had to do with Gus and then the Odell, Odell uh, signing, having four years of void on there, it's just it's really kind of telling you what the kind of the kind of extremes they're gonna have to do. They they have to do just to field a competitive team this year. Right. It's uh, it's it's ex- exceptionally frustrating to me to see the kind of uh, the the fan base. I you know I don't want to insult the whole fan base because I know the whole fan base doesn't feel that way. But the fan base that really feels like uh, it's okay to pay three point eight million or whatever it is this year for Odell Beckham and eleven point four million plus whatever incentives he earns for him next year for this year's play. Cause he's not gonna be on the team next year. I, I just don't understand. I mean, that's the delayed gratification uh, is, is just not part of the general fan bases understanding. They want it now, 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 now. And I, I gotta say as a season ticket holder, I don't want my entire entire future of my season tickets mortgaged. I just do not want that. So it, it keeps coming back to this and I, I don't want to bring it up every single episode, but uh, this is the, I'm particularly frustrated by the Odell Beckham signing and the amount they paid uh, and how they structured that payment. Yeah, and like I said, you kind of hear what the people are saying, the people who are tired of the model of consistency. But my whole thing is, like, I'd rather have a chance to win it all every year than to go all in for a year or two and just, you know, kind of be where the Rams are at now and just be, you know, up creep without a paddle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, fortunately, the Ravens haven't traded their first-round draft picks, you know, into the future to, to – try and get things done. But hey, if you're a young person and you don't really remember the purge of 2002, it happened to work out in the Ravens' favor, but it was a forced purge after the Ravens made a bunch, did a bunch of things in 2001, signed Elvis Gerback, signed Leon Searcy, signed a bunch of other players. Leon Searcy never played a snap for the Ravens. Elvis Gerback played one year of a five-year deal, and it forced a complete overhaul of that team. Fortunately, the defense was able to to hold it together with the drafting of Ed Reed in particular, but the offense, you know, it, it took years to put a decent offense together for that Ravens team really until Flacco arrived. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it's just the, the 
risk that they've they've put the Ravens in for 2024 and beyond is at a very high level. And I'm not convinced the 2023 team is really worthy of that sort of risk. Yeah, when you look around the landscape at the AFC, you're like, man. And if we were in the NFC making these kind of moves, I'd be like, okay, you know, the conference is really conference is really watered down. It's really only like two or three top teams in there. The Niners with all uncertainty at quarterback, with you know whether it's Trey Lance and the injured Brock Purdy, you know, and then really only the only guy you're really competing with is you know maybe Dallas and, and Philadelphia for sure. But in the AFC where everybody's so loaded, it's just like going going all in in, the, in a loaded AFC is so dangerous. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we're like it's, it's almost like playing Russian roulette, and you're hoping that you know you don't freaking blow your brains out at the end of the season. All right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's talk about some of these running backs here. We'll do our ten to one countdown. Hopefully, get some people excited about this uh, draft class here. I think the Ravens are definitely going to be. I know on our draft show, we're going to be probably be rooting for running backs to be taken early and often, because oh, uh, yeah. I think the Ravens will have some some opportunities to get guys later on that uh, that still could be pretty good for them. But let's start off. You're the guest. Start with your number ten guy. Um, my number ten guy. I know he probably won't be. I don't even know if he'll be a yarn roll mentions list. Uh, Ken, just because of his his age and someone injury history, but uh, Muhammad Ibrahim from from Minnesota, he's a he's a guy that I really like. He's a little little bit older, uh, twenty four years old, um, and he had the, somewhat of an injury history. But he's a guy I just like love his running style so much. I mean, just from like like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a I mean, I've seen him be compared to uh, Damian Pierce for a guy who got taken out of Florida by the Texans by the Texans last year. But to me, he kind of looks like a like reminiscent of a little bit of a Mike Marshawn Lynch with his kind of wide running stance, and he's such a violent runner downhill runner another shot away from contact actually tries to initiate it more times than not um and yeah he's, he's the guy he just he loves like the stiff arm defenders into the earth's core if he can and i just love that kind of violent running style and for a for a team that you know, has gus edwards essentially on a one-year deal um they could be looking for another power back here in the near future okay so let me explain my my thoughts on the guy 20 25 years old on or about opening day 9 8 98 is his birthday so it'll be 25 in september uh, 452 at his pro day. We got no idea if that's really close to the mark or not, but I, I guarantee it's not too high. I guarantee it's not really 445, <laughs> that 452. Um, he said it has 889 college touches. This will be a recurring theme in here. 327 as a fifth year senior. So most running backs come out early. They, they come out at 21. They come out at 22. They don't usually come out when they're almost 25. So it's, it's unusual to have a 24 and a half year old guy in the, in the draft or who's going to be 25 in, in September. Um, all that put together is a non-starter for me for drafting him. Now the, I like elements about his running style. I think as a UDFA, he'd be kind of interesting to the Ravens. I would, don't have any problem, obviously, whoever they really sign as a, as a UDFA, but at least with a UDFA, you're not eating you, you do have the four-year optionality. Actually, it becomes only three-year optionality because you didn't draft the guy. So you, you've got you know two extra ERFA if he ends up being a guy who stylistically fits with what you need and, and he's who you want. But I've got four categories, and there's the top 10. There's the honorable mentions. There's the not quite honorable mentions. It's still if they use a draft pick late, it's not the end of the world. And then I've got the no list. And Muhammad Abraham is on my no list. Yeah, uh, I, I, I figured he would be. I just he's a guy <laughs> I've been watching for a while because um, there's a kid up here in Alaska that goes to Minnesota, and I've been watching you know watching that team for a while. And I was like, man, that's a guy who kind of runs like a raven. I really, I really like the way he runs. And then when I when I looked into his his, his background, I was like, ooh, Ken is not going to have him on his list. <laughs> but um, you know, actually, that's why he's tenth for me. Like the reason he's 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 down there so low. Is, like you said, I have like a undrafted free agent grade on him. 
um, just because, like I said, his background and his age. Uh, was, to me, if the, for ten, it was between him and um and uh, uh, God, I can't pronounce this guy's last name, but Israel, the the Pittsburgh running yeah, back. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I like him too. About a Condi. Yeah, he'll he'll come up later for me. So I don't want to give away where I have him right now. Uh, we ready for my number ten guy? Yeah, we'll jump in. It's Tank Bigsby of Auburn. Um, some things about him: he really looks like a very tall runner, upright running style. Uh, it's also a very short class, and you you know the guy you mentioned is five eight, Ibrahim. So it's, it's you know of of the things that that you know how there are a lot of short runners in this class. Uh, Bigsby is not one of them. Six oh two ten. 456 in the 40. Um, he's one of the younger running backs, 830-01. So he won't even turn 22 until August 30th. That's good. That's on the younger side. Anyway, it's not quite the youngest. Um, he's got only moderate tread wear, 602 touches in three college uh, seasons. You look at him, a very definitely a one-cut runner. He breaks a fair number of tackles, but he's not at the top of his class. I looked at Yakko for all the runners' yards after contact, and he's pretty good on a per-attempt basis. Um, most of his tackle breaking is not elusiveness. It's really running through contact in level two, and that makes up approximately 76% of his total yards with Yakko. So Yakko over his total yards per attempt was about 76%. Um, it's something I think the Ravens could leverage. And that's why I liked him a little bit more. I don't think he'll be an expensive pick. I don't think he's going real early. And I think he's a guy for the Ravens and the way they like to play uh, the run game, or at least they did under Roman, they created a lot of first contact opportunities in level two. And if you get that with a bigger back like Bigsby, you got a better chance to run through that contact. And, and I like him for that reason. If you want to look at a great tank, big Bigsby game, look at the old miss game in particular uh, last year. Great examples of elusiveness. Um, they were ranked number nine, uh, Ole Miss was, when the two teams played. So it's a, it's a quality opponent for Auburn at the time. Uh, and he hadn't really shown up in the previous game, so it was good to see him uh, actually uh, uh, look good. But Penn State, Missouri, LSU, and Georgia combined, he only had 50 for 147. So he was under three yards of carry and not a whole lot of total yards. Um, he has that ideal size. Um, his athleticism overall is kind of unexceptional. Uh, but he does have some of that explosiveness at the point of contact that I really like. Uh, receptions have gone up steadily by years. So he's a little bit of a value in the passing game. I think his size could translate to pass blocking, which could, should get him more opportunities to be on the field on those downs. Uh, I think it, the only thing I would say is that the Ravens stylistically, I think more than anything, they really need an outside speed guy, and Bigsby is not that guy. At 456, he, he'll have trouble finding the edge out of the sidecar when the Ravens run shotgun. So if Lamar is going to continue to be the threat up the middle, you know, God willing, and and these handoffs are going to go in front of Lamar on the read, you know, assuming that that's still maintain is, is part of the Monken offense, then Bigsby is not really the guy who's going to find the edge for you there. He'll be a better runner getting to the edge and running off tackle with Lamar, you know, going through the read option process. But, uh, he's just not doesn't have the speed for that, so that's why he's number ten for me. Yeah, I have him on my honorable mentions list. Um, he's a guy. He's like, like I said, he has, doesn't have the speed. He has nice lateral agility as far as finding cutback lanes and bouncing, bouncing things out. But at the NFL level, you know, like when you try to do that, you're like, like I got his size and, and you know his his running style, lack of lack of, lack of 
speed, you know, he's not going to be able to bounce those things out and actually get to the edge all the time. A lot of times that's when the safety will calm down and, and you don't want to say ankle bite him, but, you know, they'll, they'll hawk him down pretty quickly. And um, I agree with you as far as him being an upright runner. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like, like Derek Henry, Derek Henry, the way he runs yeah. up. Up, up, upward, and like I said, it, it, it's cool when you're, you know, you know, when you're King Henry. But even he got caught slipping by Deshaun, by Deshaun Elliott, you know, one year, you know, like that, that, that upright running style. The reason you like running backs to run low to the ground is so they can avoid some taking some of those big shots. Because if a guy comes downhill and lays you out when you're getting maybe you're, you're caught up by another guy or you're trying to make a move and you end up getting depleted and possibly taken out of the game. So um, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of upright runners. Um, but I do agree with you with a lot of his uh, positive points as far as like, um, you know, good, good power back and that other kind of stuff. All right. Outstanding. Number nine for you. Uh, number nine for me. Let me get my list both up here. Number nine for me. Um, he's a guy. It, it's uh, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, I don't know if Deuce Vaughn's on your list, but he's a guy that I feel like would fit really, really well in the vision of Todd Monken's offense. From everything we've heard out of the Ravens as far as like wanting to maximize putting playmakers in space with, you know, dynamic playmaking ability, yards after catch and all that. He's a guy that, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of like, like, like uh, Darren Sproles, Austin Eckler kind of do one of those guys who's always going to be like pound for pound, one of the best playmakers on your team, if given a chance, if given the chance. But every, every time you hear pound for pound, it's usually referred to for for small guys, smaller guy, yeah. Heavyweights yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know, don't need to be good pound for pound. <laughs> no, no, but I, I have them right here. Like my top note is, that, you know, pint sized playmaker um, might be pound for pound one of the most dynamic prospects in the entire class. But like I said, pound for pound. Um, I, I like I love he has that great burst and acceleration through the line of scrimmage and to the second and third level. Runs with surprisingly like like you know impressive power for somebody his size. I mean, he's only like five six. I don't know, maybe five five one seventy nine. Exactly, you know, and and I, he's he's a guy that like I, like I said I really like, and he wouldn't have been a good fit in the great Roman offense just because like I said he just his stature even if you even if you run like a little bowling ball like in a great Roman offense when you're that that small and and that light you're not gonna <laughs> you're not you're not gonna be a schematic fit but for what the Ravens want to do in their vision going forward um, he's a guy that I really like for them you know he recorded over a thousand yards from scrimmage in each of the last three years including including over fourteen hundred in um, the past two. You know, if he was ever the feet, I don't, he would never be the feature back in an offense. I don't feel like at that size, but you know, I, I can really see him playing a Darren Sproles esque role. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For people who you know aren't you don't remember Darren Sproles, he was a guy that was a kind of an all-purpose weapon for the Ravens. I mean, not for the Ravens, I'm for the for the Eagles and for the for Chargers. the Saints for the chart for the Chargers. And he's a kind of guy that you know can offer offer uh, you know pass catching ability, return specialist ability. And for a team that might be looking for the, the move away from Devin Duvernay either um, you know before this season or after this season, um, anytime you get a running back or or, or a wide receiver with return capabilities, it's definitely gonna be a Ravens radar. I feel like. Definitely a uh, you've you've captured most of the essence of who he is. He's on my not quite an honorable mention list. So first guys that know the second guys that not quite on the list. But I, I there were things I liked. The, the thing I didn't like is he didn't run the forty at the combine. He's got a self recorded forty time of four forty four. I don't doesn't sound like that was even at a pro day. Like a self recorded four forty. What, what even does that mean? <laughs> so you, you have to have something. I, there's other backs in this class, and there's one in particular we're going to get to for me who I absolutely love who I look at the tape of these two guys and Deuce Vaughn is clearly not as fast as this other guy who ran 458 on tape. I'm just looking at Deuce Vaughn. He's not as fast as this other guy. We'll talk about him a little later. Um, He was Vaughn was ran down easily by Kansas defenders from a six to seven yard lead on one play that uh, in in one of the games that I watched, Uh, he's really helpless as a pass blocker, no length, obviously no size, no, no heft to him. Uh, he cannot help you as a pass block. He just gets tossed out of the way. Um, you want him in there for passing downs because he's a gadget guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, he'd be a motion pony guy if he came to the Ravens. So if they got him as an undrafted free agent, again, wouldn't be upset or anything if that was how he how he got here. Um, then, the, you know, Monken could probably use him creatively. Uh, I, I can't say whether he gets drafted or not. My guess is probably no. <laughs> So the only resource that you use up to get a guy like that is a is your limited pool of dollars to fill out your uh, roster on UDFAs, and you only have I think it's a hundred thousand dollars or one hundred and fifty thousand that you can spend, and you can only spend a hundred thousand maximum on any one player. So they gave it all to Ardarius Washington two years ago, and for example, so I, I, would they would they give Deuce Vaughn a number that would make him so excited? I think in in his case, he probably ought to think about. Where's the best opportunity for me? Is there another offense that it would make more sense for me? Uh, don't know that he's, uh, you know, the guy you want lining up in sidecar, uh, and that's the only place I think he would really make sense in the backfield directly. Uh, I don't see him as really a pistol guy you would you, line up with. So, uh, just he's an interesting player. Um, his yards per reception, by the way, are really good. He's unusual in this regard. His A dot is 3.9, which doesn't sound like much. That's the average depth of his targets, by the way. 3.9 yards past the line of scrimmage. Most players are in the, in the running back group are very close to zero. They, they get a lot of screen passes, which are negative, and then they get a few positive plays to basically offset those. The, the, the guys who really are pretty high are around two yards, but Vaughn really stands alone at 3.9. So he's a little bit of a downfield passing threat. 
Yeah, that, that's what I like about him so much. When you watch when you watch some of his tape, it's like, is he so small? He's like kind of sneaks behind people, right? Like before you know, he's already like 10 yards down the field catching a pass in stride. And then when you got him in a screen game, he could just kind of hide, like legit hide behind his blockers. Before you know it, he's 20 <laughs> yards down the field. So it's one of those situations where his, his stature can actually be to his benefit because he's so small. People kind of like lose track of him. Like, hey, where's, where's 22? Where's 22? Oh, there he is already t- t- 20 yards down the field. Yeah, it definitely definitely has some of that on tape where he's where he's caught the ball downfield. Has not had good luck with any kind of yakko in his career, and so pass blocking yakko that's two very important characteristics to not be good at. Um, two point three five yakko per attempt, so he doesn't really even fall forward very effectively, and uh, and point two zero missed tackles per attempt was really low in the class too. So I, I can see uses for him. He just I couldn't put him on my list because of some of the shortcomings not to make a pun of it, that, that he's got. Yeah, all right. All right, I'll go to my number nine guy here, um, and that is Kenny McIntosh of Georgia. Another larger upright guy at 60204, uh, 462.40, but he looks faster than that on tape to me. He moves around, and he makes people miss a fair amount. Uh, a lot of people are suggesting that he could move to wide receiver. All right, whatever. I think he's – you 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 – you probably want him on the field in pony situations. You probably want to have the deception for the opposing defensive coordinator to not let them know from your personnel exactly how you're going to line up. So Ravens have done a good job with that with tight ends, but maybe he's a guy who who would be a slot guy for some team. I think the Ravens actually have too much of their talent already tied up in who's their second tight end on the field on a particular down to really be thrilled with Kenny McIntosh being it. But Kenny McIntosh can also bring you things as a runner. Uh, a lot of his values as a receiver, though, 10.4 yards per target in 2022. That's excellent, by the way. There's only been one Raven in history who has ever had a higher yards per target in a season, and that was Andrews in his rookie year. Um, and and the, there's only been three receivers ever over 10 yards per target. Um, but the last one I think was, was, uh, Todd heap. So, uh, you know, it has not happened often. Um, he, he had several, uh, throws that were 10 plus yards down the line of scrimmage, but his a dot for, for example, and this is just going with the other running backs and their low a dots 0.8. So most of that is yak. He's a, he's a very effective, elusive player, uh, in level two, good juker. Uh, as a runner, he creates some missed tackles too, which was nice to see. And he's a big back, so he should. 0.33 per carry. Uh, his Yakko is still a modest 3.3 per attempt. So if you're Gus Edwards in his rookie year, he's right around five. Um, if you're uh, if you're Kenny McIntosh, 3.3 is not bad. And you know we we go to some other players in there under that. Uh, 40 t- time is a really is a big concern. But I'll tell you what. Kenny McIntosh looks faster than 462 to me on tape. I don't know what you saw, but but I'd, I'd love to hear it. And he's only had 355 touches in his career, which is very low treadwear. Yeah, that's what that's what I have right. That's what I have right here, Ken. Um, you know, ran a surprisingly low, a slow, low, uh, 40 40 time at 460. I'm watching the combine live, and I was like, Kenny McIntosh is not playing up 462. Uh, and then so I don't I don't know if it was like a bad day or maybe he had put on some 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 weight trying to trying to bulk up or whatever. But um, the guy's game speed is way faster than a, than a four six two, and so I actually have him on my list too. I have him a little bit higher than that. Um, I have him at I have, I have him at six only because like not because like I'm I'm totally love with you know his style and everything, but I I do like what he brings to the table. But also his familiarity with with Todd Monken, and um, I feel like that may that might be a guy that Monken's in the in there you know pounding the table for. And I feel like he's the kind of guy that given his 
his slow 40 time. Like if you watch tape on this guy, you know he's not a 4.62 guy. But mm-hmm. because he has that 4.62 stamp to his name, there's going to be people in draft boards to just knock him down as, you know, just because, you know, of, of that of that, of that that uh, 40 time. And they're like, if you ran 4.62 on that fast track that they call in uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, then the, the, I feel like that, that might be enough to knock him down, um, you know, if, if not the late third, possibly even the fourth round. To me, it's like the sweet spot for where the Ravens might 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 want to might want to look look for him. Like this fourth or fifth round, I, I feel like. Yeah, I I think they might be able to get him later. I I said fifth to sixth round, um, and four sixty two is it that is a scarlet letter for a running back. I mean, that's really a bad kind of a uh, of a thing to have a branded to you. But uh, you know, you you made the good point about Monken, but he could line up just about anywhere for the Ravens slot wide, be the motion guy, be in the backfield, of course. He can be the single back and he can be a pony. Um, and then you have all kinds of, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking about the Ravens in terms of Roman's offense. And we know there'll be a lot of differences, but McIntosh will do a lot of the things that Munkin talks about doing in terms of challenging space all over the field and forcing the defense to defend it in different ways. And one of the ways they have to, the Ravens have done that in the past is to really challenge the field horizontally at the line of scrimmage in order to fuel their run game. And he's, he definitely gives you that kind of capability in terms of being a guy who can who can get to the edge, take a pitch, uh, uh, you know, line up in the backfield and be either an off tackle guy or even a straight up straight to the middle guy who makes people then miss in level two if the Ravens line's getting good opportunities. So anyway, I liked him a lot. He's my number nine guy. Yeah, I, I like the way he kind of makes sharp cuts and gets gets north and makes at least one defender miss, if, if not two. And he can be. And I, I, I've seen him a few times in the Todd Malkin offense get those those jet sweeps and kind of hit the corner real, real quick, get a first down or a touchdown. So he's a guy I feel like Malkin might be really kind of pounding the table for. Like, hey, this guy's available. Pick you know one twenty whatever to you know one one one. I don't know like what what, what the fifth round is like one seventy or whatever. But I feel like he's a guy that the Ravens will definitely be monitoring on day three. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that's sounds good. Who do you have then at number eight? Uh, number eight for me, I have uh, Chase Brown from uh, Illinois. He's a guy that um, I, I really like. He's kind of been been rising through this through this uh, process. Him and his twin brother, Sidney Brown, the, the safety. Both mm-hmm. of those guys, um, you know, uh, the, the Canadians. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy I really like. Um, uh, only 23 years old. He's going to have a power back, but still has like a little bit more juice than some of the other power backs in this um, in here. I mean, he's, he's a bit of a natural, you know, pass catcher, you know, coming out of the backfield, nice soft hands. He kind of catches the ball in stride. He's not one of those guys that has to like kind of bobble it or reach back to, or make any kind of crazy adjustment to catch the ball. Um, so he doesn't have breakaway speed, but, but, you know, he has good burst and acceleration through line of scrimmage. Um, and really last year was, was his only, um, was his only workhorse year. He had 328 carries, which is, you know, you see that's always oh, a lot of tread wear, but prior to that, he never had a single season when he had more than, um, more than 200 touches. So he's a guy that, you know, had got a lot of run last year, but, um, he's a guy that has relatively low tread wear. 734 college touches for me was, was it's modest or moderate tread wear. It's not, not super high, not super low. But it's it's a it's a fair amount. It all came last year, obviously. He'll be 23 in November. Was one of the problems. Uh, it, it had a very high number of missed tackles forced, which was good. But he has a very poor yakko rate. His his yards after contact per attempt is only 2.8, and that's down in the in the Deuce Vaughn range. Uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn was lower, but but still, that, that's that's not a good number. Uh, he also fumbled the ball six times in 2022, eight times in his career. So that's a lot. And, you know, one of the things, the Ravens don't like fumblers. Um, uh, it's a way, quick way to get in John Harbaugh's doghouse. Just ask, yeah, Tyson, ask Tyson Williams. 
Yeah, or or Collins before him. They they've had a they had a series of guys who who didn't hang around uh, that much. He's if you look at if you look at the tape, I'd say he is a speed back. Um, his elusiveness makes people in terms of making people miss is that's not really his game. It's it's um, power is only average to create those missed tackles. It's really making missed tackles with his speed that I think has been uh, impressive. He's he's kind of a, a deceptive speed I found in terms of what I saw a lot of was defenders taking a bad angle towards him, uh, which is a great way to get pileups and missed tackles. That's the best of all, if you're avoiding it more or less entirely. Um, he, he was involved in, in Illinois in a lot of option plays from sidecar uh, with DeVito. And some of those were long mesh plays. And I like to see that because when you have those, then there's going to be fewer questions about the ability to adapt to the long mesh that Lamar likes to run. So, We've, we have suggested over the last few years that largely these guys who are coming in who have all the speed you'd want, Tyson Williams, for example, can't really master the mesh point, and therefore they can't really get active on game day or, or playing the way they should. Even Justice Hill has far less carries than you'd really expect for the amount of speed he has to go to the outside. So you know, it, Chase Brown could be a guy out of sidecar for the Ravens who would, who would make a lot of sense. So I had him at number 11. He's my first honorable mention uh, of the guys. So uh uh, I think he's probably a guy the Ravens could get in round six. Okay, tell you what I have. I think I think they're excited to get him in round six, and this is this is the this is the round I think they should draft the player. Is what I have. Does he go before that? It's quite possible, but some of these guys will drop to the to the excited round that I have them at. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a guy that you know I have like the like. Surefire day day three guy. Uh, I've seen some 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 mocks and projections have him on day two. I'm like, no way, no way, no way. <laughs> uh, but um, like, he'd be a guy that the prime candidate on, on on day three. And like I said, I, I think four would be fourth round be reaching a little bit for him. But I could see it. You know, I I, I could I could see it. Just if you know if they really like the guy and, and maybe want to target other positions later on in the draft, given that they have so few picks. You know, this isn't last year when they had. You know, sit with it four or five fourth round picks and made all of them, and they got and they got a sixth. Yeah, they've they've that was that was quite an effort. All right, I guess we're moving on to my number eight now, right? So mm-hmm. that's Dwayne McBride of UAB. Um, this was a really difficult one contextually for me, but I finally I did a lot of moving around like a like a parking puzzle, you know, one of those things you hold in your hand. But Dwayne McBride ended up at number eight for me. Six two two fifteen. Love the size, obviously. Seven eight oh one. Love the birthday. He'll he'll be 22 in July, so he's not not an old buck, but not a super young one either. 452 was claimed at his pro day. I, what I saw is he got caught from behind by the Liberty cornerback. I have no idea who that is, but I have a hard time believing Liberty has a you know DJ Turner at cornerback chasing him down. So he, he got he got caught behind pretty <coughs> badly, and then the then the Liberty cornerback missed the tackle anyway, so it didn't matter. So, so that was it was just one of these strange things. Uh, his game is really about power and ripping through tackles, not elusiveness. Uh, what I liked one time is he had one play where he, had, he, he put two spin moves on on the same play. Yeah. You saw it too, huh? Okay. Yeah, the back the back to back spin. Yeah. yeah. Coastal Carolina, that was in that in that uh in that game. So you might have seen the cut-up from that. Uh Yako per attempt of 4.6. That's outstanding, but context is important. They played at UAB and they only had two games that he played power five teams, and he was 13 of 61 versus Georgia, 4.7 yards per carry. That's a, that is a workhorse job versus Georgia, but he was 13 of 34 for 2.6 yards per carry versus LSU. So um, 
we get a lot of context questions will come up here. Uh, big game versus BYU in the Independence Bowl is probably the game of his life. They were ranked number twelve at that at that point, and uh, and he really showed up. So Dwayne McBride's my number eight guy. He's my number seven guy. Um, the only reason I don't have him re- retired is because he he brought virtually nothing in the passing game in um in, in college. Only only had like five receptions for like twenty nine yards. But, but you know what, Gus Edwards is kind of like kind of the similar way coming out of coming out of college, and he's a guy that didn't wasn't really involved in the passing game. Now he had more than he had more than Dwayne McBride had, you know, but not 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 by much. I think Gus only had like a hundred. I don't even think he cracked the hundred like two hundred in his college career at Rutgers. And I forgot where he started. I think he started at Miami, then Rutgers. So yeah, but um. He's He's a guy that like I said I, I I love his 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 contact balance. I mean I feel like it's the only the second to only um, probably our number one guy in this in this draft as far as like balance after contact and kind of like bouncing bouncing uh breaking tackles and and bouncing off guys and still keep on trucking. Um, I love him in short yardage and goal line. His nose for the nose for the end zone. Um, he's a guy that scored thirty two touchdowns the past the past two years. Um, and a lot of his a lot of his best production came this this um this this past year. But um, he's like he's a guy that felt like it's a, a two down player to start off his career. They can he can definitely grow as a as a pass catcher, the same way Gus did. You know, by twenty twenty, Gus was like a legit threat in the pass game. So um, he's a guy that you know may not be there right now as far as a three every down player, but he's a guy that can definitely be a contributor and I don't know potentially even replace a guy like Gus Edwards a year from now. This is an interesting player because I love. DaCosta's look at small schools and they've had a lot more power five picks since he's taken over the draft than they did with Ozzy. And I thought DaCosta was really responsible for a lot of their scouting of small schools. And I'll be just interested to see when they get back to some more of that. Cause I'm sure there's some running backs that they really love at other smaller programs. And for that matter, at any position, I mean, we, we talked just before the show in our production, we have just how weak the inside linebacker position is this year. It's, it's, ridiculously weak. I mean, if they want to want an inside linebacker, it's probably a UDFA guy, but they have probably have a couple guys they like from small schools. And, and it's difficult for me to imagine them liking too many of the guys who are coming out this year uh, uh, that, that won't get drafted from power five schools. Cause it's a, it's a very weak group. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, uh, McBride was your number seven guy. You said as well, right? Mm-hmm. All right, were it all about context with him? Well, is it context? Yeah. Are you worried at all about context? That's just the, the question I'm asking. Me- meaning that he hasn't really hasn't played a lot of really uh, top teams. Um, some, some, somewhat. Like I said, like, he's like I did have some good plays against against Georgia, and I feel like a guy in in this in this in the system because I know the Ravens do want to keep some of those Greg Roman concepts as far as like you know run game concepts. I feel like he's a guy that would stylistically fit that. So. Um, I mean, I mean, power is power, you know. Um, he's a guy that that shows shows a lot of it, so I, I like that from that aspect. All right, all right. Let's move on. To, he's your number seven guy, so we'll move on to my number seven guy, who's Sean Tucker of Syracuse. Felt a little bit bad picking him where I did. Uh, some people have him higher. I think some people probably have him lower as two. He's a smaller back, five nine, two oh seven. Did not do drills at the combine. That's a red flag going off. Um, He's young still, despite the fact he's 10, 10, 25, is his birthday. So he'll be 22 in October. Uh, that's a good, that's a good thing. Uh, his speed is a big unknown though. Uh, he claims he ran a four, three in high school. I could make equivalent claims that would be unrealistic about what happened to me in high school, but, but I'm not going to, the, the, it just does not seem like he's on tape, anything close to that kind of speed. He's got some jitterbuggy movement. 
but I'd say 445 to 45 is as high as I could see him being as fast. And I, I, I'm probably looking at him with, you know, as a biased positive eye as I can, so given he went to Syracuse, but uh, you know, I just, I just don't see more speed than that. He's not a reliable receiver. Um, it, what it's looked like to me is we've had some drops where he's looked upfield for contact. His catch rate is only 67%. Uh, and that's on an A dot of 1.2. So they're, they're running him on a few routes that are downfield to get as high as 1.2. It's, ridiculous as that seems but you know you do have a lot of screens which are negative a dots uh, he's a home run hitter who's not really a tackle breaker which is unusual uh, but he does possess great acceleration where he, where he just runs by uh, guys in the secondary doesn't necessarily outrace everybody but does a really good job of of picking his spot and his burst and changing speeds to run by people um, the context is really important. He's had 37 carries for 274 yards career against Clemson. Really love to see that. So you want to, you want to play your best against the best ACC team if if you can. Um, he's also piled up some big numbers versus Wagner, where he had his big game this year with 223 yards, I think, uh, in this one. So uh, UConn, Albany, Liberty, Ohio, all big games. Uh, disproportionate percentage, if you look at his 2022 highlight tape, is against these Wagner. In fact, it, it really this really bothered me when I looked at the entire highlight tape because I've tried to see what was good about his good runs. You know, what was similarity? What were so common thread going through his good runs? Well, anyway, you look at it and like literally half of the time of a, of a maybe a twelve or fourteen minute tape is his highlights against Wagner. And I'm like, we got to see some <laughs> some better context highlights than that. So that's a problem. He, he did run behind a pretty mediocre offensive line at Syracuse, which means you know he's one of those guys who will come to the NFL in a situation may be, may improve. And that's not going to be the case for a lot of these runners. You know, it's certainly not going to be the case for a, a Kenny McIntosh who got to run behind the Georgia line or, uh, you know, any number of other SEC uh, ball toters. Uh, they're not going to come to a better situation. But anyway, Sean Tucker is my number seven guy. Yeah, he's in my honorable mentions, you know, the, the local, local guy. You know, he's not a Baltimore kid, but he's Owens Mills right in the Ravens' backyard there. Um, you know, and he's like the guy went to went to Calvert Hall and, you know, really, really um, impressive high school career that, uh, down in uh, down in Maryland. Um, but, yeah, like I said, a lot of the same things. Um, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, going over somebody's highlight types. Like, if you ever look at a, somebody's film, especially highlights, highlights are notorious for this. And, like, they'll show you, like, the, their best, like, the best plays but the more so than their best place. Okay, how did that play come to come to be? Yes. Was it because the was it because the defender took a bad angle? Was it piss poor tackling? That's like a guy like uh, Kendrick Miller from TCU. He's not in my top ten because when you look at some of his tape, you know some of his best stuff just comes from bad play by the defense. Oh like, man, are we going to disagree? Okay, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 t- I'm telling you, Ken. I mean, like I, I I just I just didn't feel like this dude was like I just didn't like he was. Really, I know we're talking about Tucker, but you know for yeah. for for Miller, I just didn't. I don't know. Sometimes you watch, you just kind of don't feel see the special. And for him, like, yeah, he had, I saw he had some afterburners sometimes. And like, I still got him in my armor mentions, but it's just like, you know, when you look at the highlights, I'm like, okay, what kind of defenses was he facing in college? And then, like, when his best plays came, you know, like, who were they against and how did they come? You know, was it as a result of like him actually breaking those tackles or was it a result of somebody just taking a bad angle or trying to take off? You know, sometimes I even saw one play. Was it? I think maybe it was him. There was somebody like, who I was watching, and and the, and the defense, the defensive back, act like he pulled a hamstring, which was like, ah, 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 man, <laughs> not, not gonna catch him, not gonna catch him. And he pulled up like ten, like pulled Earl Thomas, you know. Uh, that's that's certainly bad. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll talk about him when we get to him. Uh, so Sean Tucker was my number seven guy. Are we on to your number six guy now? 
Yeah, yeah. My number six guy. Oh, we are t- we are uh, Macintosh was my, was my six. Macintosh was your number six guy. Okay, we'll get to, to, to go back to my guy first. Then is Zach Charbonnet is my number six guy. He's uh, my five of <laughs> UCLA. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm stealing. I'm one ahead of you here. I apologize for that. Uh, five five eleven two sixteen four fifty three forty uh, one eight oh one birthday. So he'll, he's already twenty two. That's okay. It's a little older for the for the class, but it's okay. Um, two years at Michigan, then transferred to UCLA. 641 college uh, touches is moderate tread wear. It's not high, not low. Um, he definitely does not outrace defensive backs in terms of what I see there. So it's not a super fast 453. That may be an acceleration thing. Uh, long speed doesn't come into play too much, but what I'm really looking for is when he's got the opening, when defensive backs are chasing, are chasing him, do they give up? Do they do they stop running? Do they not, you know, gain ground on him? And and he just he doesn't run away from uh, from uh, defensive backs. Yards per contact uh, per attempt is his is his uh, big number. That's four point two. It is much better than his missed tackles force per attempt. So I see a missed tackles force per attempt of 0.27, which is very average. But with a yards per contact yards after contact per attempt of four point two. That's a result of some home run breakaways occurring after a missed tackle. So that's terrific. Very demoralizing for obviously opponents, but just it's a terrific way for a running back to add value is big plays after missed tackles. Uh, lots of fall forward as a runner. I thought you know he's a big, powerful runner, and he, and he runs with choppy steps. I think he runs very hard, kind of like not as hard as Jamal Lewis because almost nobody ever has done that, but he runs very hard with choppy steps as contact is made, and I'd like to see that. Um, receiving productivity was decent. That improved throughout his career, but it's all screens and checkdowns. His career A dot is negative one point two. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't want many many routes, in, but um, he is nice. He has nice soft hands. Doesn't have a problem catching the ball. And when he gets when he gets a screen, he, he can get downfield in a hurry and and get you at least at least ten yards. Um, I know he doesn't. He's not the most elusive guy, but he has this stutter step, man, that I just love for a guy. He's like, like those choppy steps. He is the guys with a little hezzy, little uh, uh, uh. And then you see like a guy kind of like I kind of do a little crisscross applesauce there, and I, I, he has he's a little wiggle, little a little a little more wiggle than the average average big guy. But I love his build. Um, six foot two, uh, two, two, two fourteen. Um, because runs with runs with a lot of a lot of power. Um. I just, I just love, I just love the way he kind of like initiates contact sometimes, especially when he's like trying to fight for extra yards, as you, as you were talking about, and he's pretty good in pass protection too, as far as picking up blitzes. Yeah, I, I liked him as a pass protector a little bit. Uh, it needs to get better, um, but you need to justify passing down snaps at the NFL, and and Charbonnet is a guy who probably has some technique things that could be fixed because his size is fine. For even for the NFL in terms of, of being the guy. So he'll get with a good running backs coach who hopefully will put him through those drills. And I, one of the most interesting drills, by the way, if you get to see at camp, and they do this in the middle of camp usually, and they don't really make it be the centerpiece of the multi-ring circus that's going on, but they'll do a positional drill period where they have the running backs go against the linebackers. And it really is like the Oklahoma drills that you you sometimes see with with running uh-huh. backs and 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 and, uh, and linemen, um, but it's 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 very much a high visibility drill where they try and have a running back hold off a linebacker, and they even have like this hockey shake line after the fact because they I mean they're going high they're going high intensity at each other during this. This is not like typical brother-in-law play in the eleven on elevens that that comes up or the no contact seven on sevens. It's this is a high intensity drill, and they they you know they want to make sure these guys are still friends. 
after beating each other up a little bit on the thing. But it's one of the really cool things to to see at camp. So if you happen to be there, just take a look and see if it's if it's on that day. It'll be during one of the positional drill things. They won't talk about it. They won't tell you anything about it. But if it's happening and you see running backs and linebackers interacting and you notice this high intensity going on, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, when I was when I was in um, when I was when I was playing playing a little bit of college ball in in, in high school, um, like you know, coaches always call that the run through your face drill. You know, where like where you'd have like you know like your your best blitzer as far as linebacker. Sometimes they even have like some of the underside defensive linemen come up and just try to like, run through a running back's face. And you, it's your responsibility pick up the blitzer and um, make sure the quarterback stay clean. At least buy them enough to, uh, buy, buy them enough time to escape the pocket or get the ball, get rid of the ball. But um, yeah, I I, I I was a big fan of that drill back in the day. All right. One other thing to say about Charbonnet was that he played with DTR in, in, uh, in college. So Robinson, uh, Thompson Robinson, and he's, he is a option quarterback who does a lot of the running himself, obviously, but also uses the mesh pretty effectively. And Charbonnet in that offense looked a lot better which gives me hope that if he played with Lamar Jackson, and I don't think he'll be around when the Ravens would draft a running back, I think he will be one of the guys who gets taken before they really get a shot. Um, then I would think he is a uh, a guy who would play a lot better with Lamar Jackson. He'd be a threat to run mostly off tackle, I would say, uh, be your one-cut runner uh, th- that could be very useful after a mesh point. So uh, anyway, I, I he wouldn't be the pure speed guy, although that – that job too gets a little easier with Jackson, but you really want a bigger speed threat to clear out that middle uh, on those circumstances. You really want people focused on that being the possibility and make linebackers read wrong. And if you look at the highlights of Lamar Jackson, particularly the long touchdowns runs he's had the last few years uh, against a lot against the NFC East, it's been linebackers on the other side running themselves out of position. And that's just great offensive scheme. And I hope Monk can retain some of that, you know, from the Roman era. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not as high on, on I mean I'm still high on Charbonnet. I'm just not as high as like some of the other guys like Daniel Jeremiah and some of those guys are thinking that he's going to be like a second round pick and stuff like that. Uh, but no, I do love for either be a for me he's like an ideal third fourth round pick. Third or fourth round pick, okay. I get now he's your number five though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have a four fourth round tag on him here. That's where I, I'd be okay with Ravens getting it. But I like the next guy who I think they could get in the fifth round. And you mentioned him already. I think he's at least on your honorable mentions. Is Izzy Abanacanda of Pittsburgh? Uh, 5'11", 216. Where'd you, where did you have him? Uh, you talking about for his measurables and stuff? Or? No, 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 no. Where did you have him for for uh, for your list? Oh, he's my first I will mention. Like I said, it was between him and Ibrahim as far as like who I who I you know who I you know for for my for my last spot. Um, like so he's a he's a guy that I watched a little later when I was putting together my list uh, about Akanda, but he's a guy that I, I really did like. And I was like, man, I wish I could get him higher, but I really do love me some Mohammed Ibrahim. So, mm-hmm. all right, so five eleven two sixteen, no combine drills. Born October fifth. 2002. That's one of the really key factors for him is he won't even be 21 until midseason. He's 20 now. Uh, He's one of the youngest players in the entire draft, any position. Claims a pro day under 440, a 40-inch vertical, 10-foot, 8-inch broad. Those are great explosiveness measures for a running back. You really want to see that in terms of change of direction ability, uh, acceleration, all the things uh, you you uh, really look at that vert and that broad jump as as uh, contributing to that. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a, a tackle tackle shedder, but I think he's a guy you get first contact opportunities in level two, 
and his missed tackle rate will go up from what it was in college. Uh, explosive between the tackles runner, finds his gap, lots of big play ability. There's tons out there you can you can look at. He's got plenty of short gains too, but but he's got lots of big plays among what he's got. He had the second most yards before contact of any back. That really shows up on tape. Uh, Virginia Tech game, he had several such runs, piled up 320 yards in that game on 36 carries. That's a great game. If you if you if you think you might like Izzy Abanikandic, then go and look at that game because it's one of the one of the best games by any back in the in the uh, NCAA this year. Uh, lots of college experience in both shotgun and sidecar. In shotgun as the sidecar, I should say. Um, also, he has the speed, at, at, and, and we presume his pro day measurement is right. But if you just look at the tape, he's, you can tell he's fast enough to bounce to the outside. Um, and only 390 college carries. So he's a very low tread wear guy. Uh, with 28 touchdowns, and I think he'd be a guy I'd be really happy if the Ravens ended up getting. Don't know what they'll have to expend to get him, but I'd be happy in the fifth round with him. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a, he'd be a great. I wouldn't even be mad if they took him in the in the in the fourth round. He's a guy that said I, I really did like, and he's like right, my my number one honorable mention. I love the age, love the size, love the um, you know, his expo- explosiveness and 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 his burst acceleration through the hole. I mean, he's a guy that like, once he hits that crease, he's pff, gone. I mean, it's almost like you could count. You could like I'm like man, he probably does run a four a sub sub four four. The the way I'm watching his tape, and he's just leaving guys in the dust. I mean, there's times where guys are, guys aren't even like you know. Sometimes you'll get those little like oh, try to get him with a little ankle. That guys don't even bother because they 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 know they're gonna look full just trying to just diving at air. So he's a guy that I really like from that point. And he's really their their primary playmaker after Jordan Addison departed to USC last year. Um, and then he had his most most prolific season as a, as a producer on his own. Almost was two two thousand all-purpose yards or fifteen hundred on the ground on the ground alone, and then he tied Ibrahim for the most rushing scores in the nation. So he's a guy that you know once he got his once he got his chance to shine, that's exactly what he did. All right, all right, outstanding. Well, we'll come back and we'll do the top four uh, after we take a little break here. Uh, but uh, why don't you tell folks where they can talk football with you online, Josh? Oh yeah, you can uh, find me on um, on Twitter at uh, Josh Reed nine zero seven. I mean, you're from Alaska, you say nine zero seven, but nine zero seven for Twitter purposes. And you can read all my Ravens stuff at uh, Heavy on Ravens. All right, outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, open for all sorts of topics at this point. Still have that one play. We're still recording those. If you want to do one play from Ravens history, talk about that. If you want to talk about a draft topic, we got a, a short window here where that makes a lot of sense. Evaluating the draft after the fact that could be done. Uh, have some other topics and whether you want to do a um, uh, analysis piece of some sort or you want it to be just a, a, a franchise building thing or maybe some scheme thing that you th- that you think you see something different for the Ravens, either defensively or offensively. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, give me a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'd love to talk to you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about.
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.